My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 153, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, 2 Kings 13 and 14, Amos 7 through 9, and Psalm 124. 2 Kings chapter 13. In the twenty-third year of Joash, son of Ahaziah, king of Judah, Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, became king of Israel and Samaria, and he reigned seventeen years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord by following the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit, and he did not turn away from them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and for the long time he kept them under the power of Haziel, king of Aram, and Ben-Hadad his son. Then Jehoahaz sought the Lord's favor, and the Lord listened to him, for he saw how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. The Lord provided a deliverer for Israel, and they escaped from the power of Aram. So the Israelites lived in their own homes as they had before, but they did not turn away from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, which he had caused Israel to commit. They continued in them. Also, the Asherah pole remained standing in Samaria. Nothing had been left of the army of Jehoahaz except 50 horsemen, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. For the king of Aram had destroyed the rest and made them like the dust at threshing time. As for the other events of the reign of Jehoahaz, all he did and his achievements are they not written in the book of the annuals of the kings of Israel. Jehoahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria, and Jehoahash, his son, succeeded him as king. In the 37th year of Joash, king of Judah, Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, became king of Israel and Samaria, and he reigned 16 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which had caused Israel to commit. He continued in them. As for the other events of the reign of Jehoash, all he did and his achievements, including his war against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the annuals of the kings of Israel? Jehoash rested with his ancestors, and Jeroboam succeeded him on the throne. Jehoash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands. He said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory of over Aram. Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Aramians at Aphek. Then he said, Take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, Strike the ground. Struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha died and was buried. Now, 
Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Haziel, king of Aram, oppressed Israel throughout the reign of Jehoaz. But the Lord was gracious to them and had compassion and showed concern for them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To this day, he had been unwilling to destroy them or banish them from his presence. Haziel, king of Aram, died, and Ben-Hadad, his son, succeeded him as king. Then Joash, son of Jehoaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadad, son of Haziel, the towns he had taken in battle from his father Jehoaz. Three times Jehoash defeated him, and so he recovered the Israelite towns. In the second year of Jehoash, son of Jehoaz, king of Israel, Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehohadan. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not as his father David had done. In everything, he followed the example of his father Joash. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. After the kingdom was firmly in his grasp, he executed the officials who had murdered his father, the king, yet he did not put the children of the assassins to death. In accordance with what is written in the book of the laws of Moses, where the Lord commanded, parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. He was the one who defeated 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and captured Selah in battle, calling it Joktiel the name it has to this day. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash, son of Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, with the challenge, Come, let us face each other in battle. But Jehoash, king of Israel, replied to Amaziah, king of Judah, A thistle in Lebanon sent a message to a cedar in Lebanon, Give your daughter to my son in marriage. Then a wild beast in Lebanon came along and trampled the thistle underfoot. You have indeed defeated Edom, and now you are arrogant. Glory in your victory, but stay at home. Why ask for trouble and cause your own downfall and that of Judah also? Amaziah, however, would not listen. So Jehoash, king of Israel, attacked. He and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced each other at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by Israel, and every man fled to his home. Jehoash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. Then Jehoash went to Jerusalem and broke down the walls of Jerusalem from the Ephraim gate to the corner gate, a section about 400 cubits long. He took all the gold and silver and all the articles found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. He also took hostages and returned to Samaria. As for the other events of the reign of Jehoash, what he did and his achievements, including his war against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the annuals of the kings of Israel? Jehoash rested with his ancestors and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and Jeroboam, his son, succeeded him as king. Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, lived for 15 years after the death of Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. As for the other events of Amaziah's reign, are they not written in the book of the annuals of the kings of Judah? They conspired against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent men after him in Lachish and killed him there. He was brought back by horse and was buried in Jerusalem with his ancestors in the city of David.
Then all the people of Judah took Azariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father Amaziah. He was the one who rebuilt Elath and restored it to Judah after Amaziah rested with his ancestors. In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria. And he reigned forty-one years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Labohamoth to the Dead Sea, in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. The Lord had seen how bitterly everyone in Israel, whether slave or free, was suffering. There was no one to help them. And since the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, son of Jehoash. As for the other events of Jeroboam's reign, all he did and his military achievements, including how he recovered for Israel both Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of annuals of the kings of Israel? Jeroboam rested with his ancestors, the king of Israel, and Zechariah, his son, succeeded him as king. Amos chapter 7. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested, and just as the late crops were coming up, when they had stripped the land clean, I cried, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen, the Lord said. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me. The Sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Then I cried out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either, the Sovereign Lord said. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand, and the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord said, Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed, and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined. With my sword, I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Jerusalem. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, Get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy any more at Bethel, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord, you say. Do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up and you yourself will die in pagan country. And Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. This is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple were turned to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this. 
You who trampled the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? Skimming on the measure, boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself, the pride of Jacob, I will never forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this, and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile. It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst of water, but a famine for hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the lovely young woman and strong young men will faint because of thirst. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who say, as surely as your God lives, Dan, or as surely as the God of Beersheba lives, they will fall never to rise again. I saw the Lord standing by the altar, and he said, Strike the tops of the pillars so that the thresholds shake. Bring them down on the heads of all the people. Those who are left I will kill with the sword. Not one will get away. None will escape. Though they dig down to the depths below, from there my hand will take them. Though they climb up to the heavens above, from there I will bring them down. Though they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, there I will hunt them down and seize them. Though they hide from my eyes at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent to bite them. Though they are driven into exile by their enemies, there I will command the sword to slay them. I will keep my eye on them for harm and not for good. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, he touches the earth and it melts, and all who live in it mourn. The whole land rises like the Nile, then sinks like the river of Egypt. He builds his lofty palace in the heavens and sets its foundation on the earth. He calls for the waters of the sea and he pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. Are not you Israelites the same to me as the Cushites, declares the Lord. Did I not bring Israel up from Egypt, the Philistines from Captor and the Arameans from Kerr? Surely the eye of the sovereign Lord are on the sinful kingdom. I will destroy it from the face of the earth, yet I will not totally destroy the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord, for I will give the command and I will shake the people of Israel among all the nations as grain is shaken in a sieve, and not a pebble will reach the ground. All the sinners among my people will die by the sword. All those who say, disaster will not overtake or meet us. In that day, I will restore David's fallen shelter. I will repair its broken walls and restore its ruins and will rebuild it as it used to be so that they may possess the remnants of Edom and all the nations that bear my name, declares the Lord, who will do these things. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will overtake him by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills, and I will bring my people Israel back from exile. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord. Psalm 124. 
If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, If the Lord had not been on our side when the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive when their anger flared against us. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Praise be to the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We continue to read about the unfaithfulness or lack of Shema of the northern kings and people and the struggle of the southern kings and people to be faithful. But God is preserving a remnant to keep his promise, his covenant to David. We read about the prophet Elisha's death and then a year or so later about the dead man's body who was quickly thrown into his tomb to avoid a band of raiders and he came to life. What an odd story. We aren't given much detail, like we don't know why that man died, or if he lived longer than a minute or so. We also know it isn't Elisha or his bones that have mystical power, but only God has the power to give and take life. And this might be a reminder for the people to reflect on the messages God gave to the prophet Elisha and what it's still to come and remember who God is. We also ended the book of Amos today. And as Father Mike Schmitz indicates, there's an emphasis on our heart and attitude. Are we going through the motions of faith? I'm not talking about like genuine tiredness, but not noticing the red flag of not wanting to or wanting to end or cut short our participation in worship and the practice of remembering and becoming a kingdom of priests, where we remember the story, who God is, we pray, intercede for others in prayer reflect and plan for ways to put God on display, ask him questions. Remember how David would talk to God about everything and ask him questions, even in the most intense crisis. And we need to create space to hear the Lord and make decisions that are connected with the story. And what we know, who we know God is, this doesn't mean we may not have feelings like, ugh, giving prodigally or a lot of our time or energy or money. That can be hard. But we do it anyway and give a sacrifice in gratitude of praise and worship. That can be a big part of it. And knowing we may not always feel like our transient emotion mood states. We may not always feel like it. And we may want to refocus the story on ourselves or we want the story to really look like. But the truth is we identify those feelings, we set them aside, and we remember the real story that we're a part of his world. And while that might not always feel good to a heart that wants to take and eat from the tree of knowledge, yes, I'm referencing back to Genesis 3, we have the wherewithal to recognize that God is bigger than our weakness. And he is bringing in this story, and we know he did bring his son, Jesus Christ, to give us a new heart and leave us with the Holy Spirit and advocate. Like in the end of the book of Amos, restoration, redemption is the gift. For them, it's being promised. For us, it's been given. And it's a matter of response. What is our response? Sometimes it's the action of responding that can change how we feel and think. Mel Robbins, a former lawyer and very interesting TED Talk, and she's had podcasts, books, lots of interesting things. She's like a life thinker. She offers some great insights and tips on simply counting down three, two, one, and then doing the action, doing the thing we said we were going to do 
or we know is the right thing to do. Having integrity. She really focuses on action and allowing the feelings and thoughts to align and shift as they may. So she acknowledges them, but puts the emphasis on the action. It's interesting to reflect on. Okay, coming tomorrow, we start the Book of Jonah. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, for the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.